Movie Wars. Episode 0040. We're doing the Batman versus Batman again. It is the duty of every good citizen of Gotham City to report meeting a man from Mars in a public park. No, 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 no. Movie Wars. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> that song wasn't even from these movies. I know, but it's the <laughs> Batman theme. This is episode 0040 of the Movie Wars podcast. We're doing the Batman versus Batman again. I don't think they tried to market it to the billionaire spelunking base jumping crowd. I'm Kyle. Podcast frighten me. It's time my enemies share my dread. <laughs> I'm Drew. I respect the mind's power over the body. It's why I do what I do. This is Phil. And uh, side note, we're, we're accomplishing a podcast dream. 40, I don't know. It's not really a milestone. It's an even number. It's a well-rounded number, but we are fine. Finally, the weather was incredible this week in Nashville. We have so many times said, what if we could just smoke cigars outside of Drew's studio and pot at the same time? And we are doing that. We are smoking cigars outside. It might sound a little different. You're like, oh, well, how could you do it outside of a studio? You're not sacrificing quality. Listen, Phil is an award-winning fucking engineer. Yes. <laughs> we have that cigars. Is a fact. And the, cig- the cigar smoke is going to clarify any noise issues that you hear tonight. So we are living the dream. Again, this is Kyle. I'm smoking a Nika Rustica tonight by Drew Estate, my favorite cigar manufacturer. And uh, we are doing the Batman versus Batman Begins. And I had this thought while we were watching these movies. We've had all the Batmans on lists. You know, we've wanted to do them. It's just like you could do so many different combinations. There's so many high points and low points in the franchise. And it's it, you could do a number of matches. But this one made sense because both of these movies kind of reset the franchise in really interesting ways. And I think a lot of that is the foundational idea. They wanted to take a different approach. If you think back to 1989, the Tim Burton Michael Keaton Batman, it kind of just launches in. Batman is established. He's already the hero. He's kind of the quasi-playboy Bruce Wayne, a little dark, but kind of just funny Michael Keaton. But both of these movies, the Batman really focused on really what is the foundation of Batman, which is the detective aspect of who he was, the investigative Batman. And Batman Begins focused on, it wasn't even a comic, but it was an anthological series called The Man Who Falls, which followed Bruce Wayne around Asia while he learned how to become a ninja, um, which came out in the 1970s. And so it's really interesting how both of them kind of said, I want to take a different slice, a different approach, a different angle to the Batman franchise. But one thing I noticed, and I want to hear both of your feedback on this, is I was watching these movies back to back. I was like, you could watch Batman movies and kind of figure out what the temperament of society is at the time that movie came out. It was so interesting because Batman Begins is 2005. You know, we're three, four years removed from 9-11, and we've, we've killed that to death on this podcast, the post-9-11, the subtle nihilism that's get, being woven into the sheen of entertainment and the fabric of culture. The Batman was the most anti- anticipated post-COVID movie. Um, yeah, and true. It, oh, interesting. Not only I does was it, thinking about that a lot while while I was watching this. Like, this is really like the first big, I think there was probably some in there but before that. But it wasn't that, filmed post-COVID. Was it not? It was prior? But That's were, probably why it was good. <laughs> during. There's some really on-the-nose stuff, though, like the QAnon references, you know, the Riddler's almost like this QAnon leader, internet conspiracy guy. Like, there was a yeah. lot of on-the-nose stuff that really, and, and you know, not just COVID, we had an election. It was a lot of, the, yeah, 2019, to early 20. Yeah, 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 and it's really interesting. And then, because you could watch, you know, the Val Kilmer Batman forever, the silly 90s kind of, we have too much money, the, the studios are doing anything now, like we have, you know, so much money going on, Joel Schumacher's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze, you know, the kind of, and then Keaton, the silliness of the 80s, like you could watch him and kind of figure out, this is kind of how society felt at the time. Because when I was watching the Batman, it was the second time I'd seen it, it was a little uncomfortable because it was kind of like, this is kind of too close. Like I'm still a little fucked up from 2020. Like it's, it's with mm. me still, I'm going to be honest. And so it was kind of hard to see 
sit through because I'm like, oh my God, like it just feels so, even the way it's made, edited, it just feels like a movie that was created after the pandemic. Just so many themes there. Another thing that, that really blew my mind was these movies or Batman Begins kind of launched Nolan and launched Bale. They had been working. Um, you know, Nolan had just done Insomnia, which he was more of a hired gun. It feels somewhat like a Nolan movie, but he really was a hired gun for that. He had done Memento, which was a great movie, but it wasn't really a wide appeal film. It was you know, very good. And it, yeah, Memento a, was like a really, really good indie film. Good cult Like movie. it was really quality, mm -hmm. but it was not yeah. a movie you'd be like, hey, you want to watch Memento? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. a vibe. You didn't watch it on a first date. <laughs> it's a vibe. It's, it's a, a vibe. vibe. Yeah. It's like, by the way, babe, this movie is out of order. And you know, Bale was kind of considered an indie actor going into Batman. His biggest credit to date was American Psycho, which is mm -hmm. funny because I'm Ooh, a big yeah. Brett Easton Ellis fan. He's one of my favorite authors. He wrote the book. You know, at the time that they made American Psycho, Leonardo DiCaprio was the leading uh, actor for that movie, but he turned it down because he was afraid it was so violent, so misogynistic that it was going to ruin his career. Bale takes that movie. Fast forward, and, and even though this isn't fully confirmed, Leonardo DiCaprio was kind of one of the considerations for Batman Begins to play Batman. He kind of turns it down. Mm. Christian Bale, who supposedly whoever the actor was that was going to take that role of Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, was supposed to ruin their career. He becomes the biggest Batman to date. <laughs> and uh, so a lot of irony there. But wow. Leo's doing okay. Yeah, His Leo's, career's yeah, been fine. Yeah, he's dating a 19-year-old now, so good for him. <laughs> 50 years old. But anyway, I love the cultural touchstone aspect of this. And listen, I'm not a giant. You know, Drew, and Drew will get into this later. He is our resident comic book universe. Uh, and just when it comes to movie universes in general, you're so great at that. So I want you to speak yeah. to that. But I am not right now. Right now. I Just dive a, in. It, it'll well, be awkward, but no. Yeah. I'm not a superhero guy, but I love Batman. I've always loved Batman. I've always kind of loved, oh, and I wrote this quote down that Drew said, Bruce Wayne is a real man with real problems. And I think that's why the IP is so beloved. It's like why every time I hear someone, a new director, a new actor is going to play Batman, they keep bringing it back to the surface because the IP is just so relatable. It really is. He is so iconic. He's super, but he's not, he's not super like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's not, he doesn't have like a, a He doesn't power. have any special abilities no, other than the fact that he's rich and has infinite resources. He's yeah. not actually superhuman. So in that way, I really relate to it. But anyway, I loved watching these movies. Really great matchup. Uh, we'll do impressions, but also do your do your superhero thing there, Drew. Yeah. I mean, what are you these smoking? Are both these, uh, oh, I am smoking a Fuente, mm. which was actually a gift for my birthday from my co-host. That's right. Thanks, guys. To you. Uh, and while we're at it, I'm also sipping on a little Elijah Craig. What is it? A Barrel strength. Barrel strength. Oh, oh 62%. Dude, if you have access to some allocated shit, this Elijah Craig barrel strength is unbelievable. It's not your sister's Elijah Craig. I'll put it that way. No, it's not. <laughs> it's so really good. good. Really damn good. You know what else is good? These two entries in the Batman Whee! series. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're no, no, both, no, no, both no. solid and they're actually both really good entries, I would say, or, or uh, you know, competent entries in the superhero genre, I yeah. would say. You know, and the superhero genre is somewhat new to our culture. I mean, it's obviously oh. the, they had a Superman movie back in the day and they had a, Hulk. you know, some early Batman stuff. And But recently it's really taken off in our culture and kind of become like a, a phenomenon and really those specifically Marvel films have sort of been kind of the tentpole uh, that has kept the theaters open truthfully and the different DC kind of gets a bad rap but Batman not as much and my theory for that being is Batman actually feels more I would argue like a Marvel film you know because Marvel characters both comics and movies the thing with Marvel characters is that they are superheroes yes but they're solving their own problems and DC gets a bad rap because they're superheroes and they're solving other people's problems, which when played out in a story being told on screen is just not as interesting. So I think that's why people love Batman. That's why people love Marvel. And it I've always kind of wished that Batman was part of that universe, but that's neither here nor there. But both these movies were, you know, I enjoyed them both. I've, I 
obviously saw them when they came out in theaters and they're similar in the darkness. I think, I think they both capture Gotham in a really gritty, beautiful way. It's always dark. It's always rainy. It's always gloomy. And it really captures the essence of Bruce's struggle, which is grappling with his, the loss of his parents, which <laughs> most great stories have to do with some dead parents, some you know, great loss, from Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Spider-Man, Batman, you know, every hero has, we just, you've got mail. All the... (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, lots of dead parents, lots of rain. Yeah. Love these movies. Excited to talk about them. Phil, what are your impressions? Oh, impressions. I had never seen the Batman until watching it for this podcast. And I had seen Batman Begins pro- probably in theaters because my brother was a huge uh, superhero genre fan even back then. Um, so I think we went and saw this in theaters. I just remember it being really good and, and the rewatch didn't disappoint. Like it was a blast to watch. It was a really fun movie. It surprised me in how well it stood up and and how good the storytelling translated. It was a little kind of like, still kind of had those 90s remnants in it with the one-liners. Like when the cop is like, I gotta get me one of those. I was like, oh, okay. You <laughs> or, know, like, or when he lit Bruce on fire and threw him out the window, he's like, lighten up. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of shit where you're <laughs> that like... Was some Arnold shit right there. Yeah, exactly. I like, you immediately. Oh, yeah. I actually liked it. Yeah. I love that stuff, but I get your point. It, it definitely harkens. Aged. Yeah, it's like that. The, those one-liners are a tad cringy now and if they were to appear in modern films like I feel like it would appear in an ironic fashion so there were certain things that definitely dated the film and and made it feel like it was from another time but at the at the end of the day it was a really cool story it was really well told uh really well acted always cool to see Liam Neeson bringing up yet another Padawan and uh failing (laughs) he's got he's got a track record of of uh training people and doing a poor job at it and then turning on him or whatever. Or I was it, taken with his performance. Yeah, he has a very uh, special set of skills. I'm a, I'm a very um, dangerous ninja with a yeah, very man, specific so set of ninjas. Batman Begins, like if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen that movie. It was enormous when it came out because like we were talking about earlier, the Keaton Batman's Batman, I don't know. And then the uh, the George Clooney Batman. Yeah, and then I, I think we had some Ben Affleck at one point. Those were kind of silly. It was, it was cool to rewatch Begins because I, I had a great memory that film and it stood up. I had never seen The Batman and I fucking loved that movie. Top to bottom, absolutely. It was, in my opinion, and and this is uh, no secret to any of these guys, but I am not a superhero movie guy. Like, I've seen probably 15 or 16 Marvel films and have enjoyed maybe one of them. He hasn't marveled in any of them. Like, I just don't, they just don't do it for me and I can't explain it. They just bore me to tears. So, The Batman, it was like watching a noir piece. It was like they took something that could have been ridiculous and made it as realistic and believable as possible within reason. Like his vehicle was like just a modified muscle car. And it was, it was all just like, yeah, I could see a lot of this taking place. Like all of his gadgets and stuff were super believable. It just felt really, really good. I love the cinematography. I think I'm alone in this one, but I loved the pacing of it because I love me a slow movie and I love it where they, you know, really take the story and flesh it out and spend a lot of time on certain parts. I love a good long scene where you really like build the tension and get the vibe without a lot going on. And this movie had that in space. Yeah, then um, yeah, you love this movie. Yeah, man, I like. I actually will probably rewatch this. Oh yeah, because I watched it in so many parts because it was so long and I couldn't get like a three-hour block to sit down and watch it. But I so thoroughly enjoyed the Batman that it's gonna get rewatched. And man, I just I loved literally everything about it. Dude, it that's fantastic. awesome. That makes love me that. happy because you're not, you know, like you said, you're not a Marvel guy. You know, recent Star Wars, you've had a lot of bones to pick, as many have. So it's cool to see like a sci-fi piece. You're like, I've God, I that. loved it, man. It was. 
was that's awesome, man. It was probably the first post pandemic film that I felt like, and, and like you, we stated earlier, it was filmed prior to the pandemic. So that may have something to do with it. It may not have been. Let me check that. I, I just feel like in general, the quality of everything around the world has dropped off significantly since the pandemic. It's almost like humanity's just tired and we're not doing a good Same job movies, right now. Yeah. yeah. But man, the Batman was, in my opinion, it was a great film. It wasn't just a good superhero film. It was, it was just a great film. That was a really pleasant surprise. You know, oh, my, I'm sorry. It was filmed during COVID. Yeah. Gosh, and they had to do a lot filming. of refilming. It's, it's, I just read this little blip on Variety that popped up on my Google search. It said that, oh, they paused it. And when they came back to resolve shooting in September, Pattinson tested a positive for COVID just one day into filming. And he turned into a vampire. So it was smack in the middle of it. They were trying to pull yeah. it. Yeah. It was a piece of post-pandemic work that, in my opinion, really stands like head and shoulders above pretty much everything else that we've seen since then. So, By the way, just for our listeners, and most people probably know this, but the reason we mentioned the COVID, post-COVID thing, why that's interesting about a film is because of all the regulations and rules in place in Hollywood. When trying to make content during that time, it was obviously very yeah. difficult. Yeah. So, Even though I'm a obviously a diehard movie person, I'm pretty picky about movies that I go to see release day. And the Nolan trilogy was one of the first, like, I remember when they started coming out and I had just graduated from high school. Um, I, those were movies that I went to see in the theater when they came out because I did love Batman. I'm not, like Phil, I'm not a superhero guy, but I've always had an affinity for Batman. Um, and I remember being really nervous because even though looking back, the Keaton movies are a little cheesy. Um, they're still cool. They're still fun. We still get Jack Nicholson as the Joker, which is really cool. Plus, I, when is Michael Keaton not interesting to watch? He's always great. He's a weird guy and he's a lot I of fun to watch. So he's quirky. Yeah. Have he's, you guys seen Birdman? Yes. No. Dude. It won best film. Birdman is awesome. But so I was Keaton. really cautious, but I wasn't, even though Bale was kind of an indie actor, he had done, he had just come off the machinist to do this movie. And I was pretty optimistic when Bale, but I didn't know a lot about Nolan. I had seen Insomnia. I loved Pacino in that. You know, Insomnia wasn't a movie that set Nolan apart yet. He wasn't Nolan yet. Now he's like this god of directing. In fact, I love The Dark Knight so much. I saw that three times in theaters um, in Russellville, Arkansas, where I went to college. I was just like, I kept going back because I was just so into it. And um, so I've always loved those. And I, I really, I just love the approach. And I thought it was interesting. You talk about the darkness. I remember seeing those thinking, oh, they're going dark here. They're really diving into the what is really embodied in the comics, in the lore of Batman. It is a dark story. But at the time, it seemed like Nolan was going really dark. But then you watch the Batman, and you're like, the Nolan ones are like a cupcake picnic. You know, it's like a gluten-free pancake factory versus the Batman. The Batman took Dude, it there. It really, and, and you <laughs> know what's really funny did. about that is as I'm, I was, I was watching Begins, I was like, man, I don't know if the Batman's going to be able to top this. And then I watched the Batman and I was like, f like five minutes in, I was like, wow, eating my words. Like yeah. the yeah. Batman is beating Begins with a spike bat. They're both dark, but in different mm -hmm. ways. Like Begins mm -hmm. is dark in a literal sense. Like it's dark. It's a yeah. dark movie. It's all just black and a slight hints of yellow and orange. The is brooding. Yeah, like it is Batman just is like it's actually dark in tone. Like the script is dark and, and the, there's very little levity in that movie. Yeah, like it is I wrote dark that down. Fuck. Exactly. Those words I put there's no there was no room for levity in the Batman. Yeah I wrote it's funny you said that they didn't leave any room for laughter in the Batman. Like I don't recall ever like a scene of lightness or relief or anything but Zero. I don't know. I, I dig that man. I dig me a fucked up mm -hmm. piece of work so it was good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, listen, I, I saw the Batman the week it came out. One of the biggest, not necessarily a critique, but listeners will send in messages saying, why don't you guys cover a lot of new movies when they come out? Like, why don't we react? Why don't you movies? listen to a different podcast? <laughs> Fuck you. Well, here's the thing. We have eight kids between us. There's a little thing called, we have to get permission. <laughs> 
to go. So we can't build our movie. And plus, we do movies we feel like doing. So, but anyway. This uh, is the newest movie we've covered. I know. Is it not? It is. 2022. Oh, I keep meaning to make a stat chart. Yeah. Yeah. Oldest movie we've covered, newest. And the Batman Begins is one of the newer ones we've done. You know, I like the Batman. I think there's, I think there's, I have problems with it. I thought it was a really good movie, but I did have, so there was some of the pacing stuff that you talked about that you liked, I kind of had, took issue with. I thought there was some directing malpractice in it. I mean, anytime you make a three hour film, it probably could have been shorter. Like, just think of what was left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, Yeah. I know. It's like a four hour Mm -hmm. movie. I want to see the director's cut of that film. You guys know from uh, No Country for Old Men versus There Will Be Blood episode, I'm a big Paul Dano fan, but I did feel like I was getting There Will Be Blood Paul Dano here. Like, I felt like Eli the Preacher was the Riddler. And like I said, the... Yes! That's who he looked like. Yeah, that's who he is. That's who he was. He was Eli. Yeah, there you go. I couldn't... Yeah, yeah, I couldn't Paul Dano was Eli and There Will Be Blood. And I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Daniel Day-Lewis. He's a great actor. He's underrated. But the QAnon stuff was a little too on the nose for me. And the thing is, is actually it benefited me. It was hard to sit through it in theaters because it was so close to the the election and the QAnon stuff. And it was very on the nose. But breaking it up into parts parts helped me in the rewatch. I enjoyed it a lot more. It gave me time to breathe, gave me time to think about it and reflect on it. I didn't swallow it all at once and it was it was much better the last time around for me. I thought Pattinson was serviceable. I thought it was good. I still really love Bale as an actor, but I, I did like it a lot more the second time around. Like I said, it, it was a little on the nose. With some well, there's of the a little modern stuff. Time now to like kind of, I guess, probably yeah. chill out from all the stuff that was and this really is a, shitty back when it came out in theaters. This is a Drew question, or a, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this observation. But one of the things I think going against the Batman, because it was so predicated on modern, on kind of modernity, right? The things that we face now, kind of this, we were locked in our houses for a long time. Society kind of divided and blew up, and we were, you know, COVID, and then um, just all the the race stuff, everything that happened in that time, and it focuses on some of that stuff and those feelings but I think what makes really great superhero movies and I think Nolan does as well is they feel containerized you're in Gotham you're in their universe oh yeah I feel like the Batman doesn't rely on that as much which might affect it from a timelessness point of view compared to other what do you think about that well I think the biggest obstacle that the Batman had going against it was the fact that Christopher Nolan made three fantastic Batman films and that's the last thing we remember like as a culture from Batman Uh so that was a just for someone to take that challenge on. I mean, that's. I think the impressive thing, though, is that they didn't try to walk the same path that any of those movies did. Like, uh, the Nolan films were still kind of fantastical, but like, there was a good mix of down to earth and fantasy. They brought in a lot of external parties with it. The thing I loved about the Batman is they just kind of dropped you into it and left a lot for the audience to figure out. And just kind of told a really cool detective story with just enough action to keep it interesting. Right. Like they and just went, they just blazed a whole different path with it. Even though it was a, a reboot so to speak, they were aware of mm-hmm. how aware we are of Batman. Like, they mm-hmm. didn't feel the need yes, to tell yes. another origin story. Yes. Everyone knows Batman's that, origin story. That's a great It just point. jumps right in, and we're just like, oh, this is a new take, and we're off to the races, and oh, it's yeah, stylish, and it's a different tone, and okay, I'm in. Yeah, opening scene, he has the costume on. I love like, the Like, there's stocking. no, like, oh, he finds the costume, and the bat fucking thing, and yeah. like, oh, I'm afraid of bats. It's like, you know, it's, he's there, we're telling a story, like, let's go. Yeah, and that's it's one, great. that's one thing Reeve said. He said he 
didn't want it to be an origin story, but he did want it to be young Batman. Obviously, he learns a life lesson that his contribution has actually resulted in more violence. That's kind of the theme of the ending. And he's kind of this young Batman who's coming into his own. He's still clunky, figuring things yeah. out. He's clumsy. Um, I do love, and Reeves said this, he wanted that introduction to really focus on how Batman goes out and looks for crime because he is a detective. He's not necessarily as technological as as the Nolan Batman. He, he is truly a detective and he has to go out stalking. Their fear isn't necessarily in Batman. It's the possibility of Batman. I love it when the guy with yep. the weird drop head helmet thing, the guy that just robs the store, looks into that black space and Batman's not there, but he's like, just the idea that he might be there was enough to make him just run away. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, he's not in the shadows. He is the shadows. Yes. So I cool, love man. that. Begins, conversely, did the origin thing perfectly, in my it opinion. Did. Yes. It did. Like, I loved the flashbacks of the childhood experience. You got just enough of the parents, just enough to see where he was coming from, and then you got the ex exported, you know, quickly to his experience learning how to be a ninja, and you're like, oh, I get that, and then you learn, mm -hmm. oh, that's how he gets his devices. Like, it just qu quickly gives you, like, a here's how Batman became Batman, and then, boom, we're, we're there. It was a nice, you know, education, yeah. I guess. So good. All right, let's randos begins here. Um, the so, Rand Man. Yeah, Rand Man. Rand, <laughs> Rand Man. Man begins. Nolan was admittedly, he he liked Batman. He wasn't, they didn't pick him because he was a diehard fan. He he liked it. He actually said his biggest affinity was for the Adam West, black and white 60s Batmans. Those are the ones he liked. So knowing that he had this blind spot, it was recommended to him by Warner Brothers that he tap David S. Goyer, who actually was a staff comic book writer for DC, who had an, uh, kind of a, a love and an understanding of the Batman universe. And so Warner Brothers recommended that he help him write the story. Um, and it was interesting because that's actually how they got the villains we got because his first his first thing he said is if I'm going to write this we can't use any villains that have been used previously in the Batman universe um, in, in the Schumacher films and the Burton films we couldn't use Joker was off limits and that's how we got Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul because he thought he thought that in the comics their connection even though they're not really integrated in the comics they had common means and that you know Scarecrow's the way he kind of terrorized society really aligned with Ra's al Ghul's desire to bring down falling societies and he thought there was a deep connection there. Couldn't because Nolan didn't want to or for some... No, it's because Goyer, he just didn't want to do any villains that have oh, been done on screen yet. it was a personal thing. It was a personal thing yeah. for him. It was he didn't kind of want to be compared. Yeah, exactly. And I, it works. I, I was kind of confused, too, because I like Batman, and I was like, Raza, ghoul, really? Like, we're going there, and it works. <laughs> it's true. It totally works. Yeah. yeah. And we got Keelian Murphy, who playing Scarecrow, which was fucking awesome. Yeah, that part, that was so good. I forgot about that. It's those eyes, line. man. His, yeah. Those eyes going through that mask. Oh, yeah. Evil. <laughs> um, the comic book uh, association was kind of loose. Again, Warner Brothers was, because Nolan admitted, he's like, I'm going to do this movie, even though I'm not a diehard fan. So they were helping him along the way. They recommend Goyer, but they also gave him um, the anthology, The Man Who Falls. Again, it's not even really a comic book series for Batman. It's an anthology I think that came out that was released serially in magazines. Um, and The Man Who Falls follows uh, Bruce Wayne around Asia as he trains and he fights random criminals in the mountains and that's kind of was the loose inspiration for that but what was funny and this is a really big irony drew you're gonna dig this um they didn't want those associations with the burton batmans they didn't want to replicate that they wanted to take a different path but no one thought this was a very original concept doing this follow them around asia uh, story but it turns out that there was a comic book series called blind justice that was written by tim burton's co-writer sam ham and blind justice was sam the ham. was the apprentice sam i ham yeah and this was series was about him apprenticing to become a ninja. Do you under like green eggs and Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like ham, eggs, and Sam? 
I'm sorry, Kyle. No, it's great. No, it's funny. Yeah, God, imagine just on TikTok. Run that back. Imagine, no, imagine being named no, Sam. No, this Hamm. is what makes it good. This is what makes it, no, it's great. But anyway, that's about Ducard and ba- diehard Batman fans will know more than me that have read the comics. But anyway, it turned out that there was this series that was co-written by the guy that co-wrote the Batman in 1989 with Burton, hmm. um, and that was about him uh, apprenticing to become a ninja for Ducard. So Ducard, they kind of used the Ducard storyline uh, to influence. They gleaned from the source material what they wanted. Exactly. And there's such rich story to work with from just, you know, what, 70 years of yeah. Batman comic? When did Batman Detective? No, 40s, I yeah, think I mean, was you're, the first you're one. You're dealing with almost 100 years of source material to pull from. And you wonder, so when someone says, how many more Batman movies can you make? A lot. Yes. There's a lot and of that's, stories and, and that's, so many incredible villains to pull from. And we can get so many great iterations. And Batman Universe has the best villains. I'm sorry, but the villains. Absolutely. Agreed. Unreal. Joker is probably, would you guys say Joker's the most like iconic superhero villain ever? Like he's killed more people. I would say so. He's just so yeah, he's like, like who's name some Superman villains? All right, Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah. So name some Batman Kryptonite. villains. Okay, like <laughs> Joker, I mean, Penguin, Joker, Penguin, Scarecrow, Riddler, Iceman. Yeah, or not Iceman? That's a Marvel character. Riddler, Mister Freeze. Sorry. Yeah, they're so good. So many. You're gonna love this because you and I talk about the Machinist, but uh, Christian Bale was he was the first person Nolan talked to to play him, but he still had to screen test against Joshua Jackson, which is kind of random. Huh. Uh, Henry Cavill and Killian Murphy even went out for Batman before Henry Cavill back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look at that jaw. He's a man. He's a, He is a man. I didn't realize he was on the scene back then. I'm straight, but he's a piece of man. He is. For Begins? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because was... he was in Superman Returns, and, uh, and that came out the next year. Bale originally signed on, and but his his whole thing was, I don't want to be in a summer blockbuster. He kind of actually probably would have preferred the Batman route, what Pattinson did. But when it kind of became the summer blockbuster, he felt this allegiance to Nolan because Nolan gave him a shot, uh, even though he went up against actors with more, uh, you know, with more gravitas. Um, but what's great is, and Phil and I have talked about The Machinist, his transformation, this is where Bale became known as a guy who does these body transformations. The last movie he did before this was The Machinist. And so from the time The Machinist ended, he actually lost 60 pounds. He was on a diet of grapefruit and coffee. He had one grapefruit and coffee a day and he lost 60 pounds. And when he finished The Machinist, you could see his spinal cord through his t-shirt. That's how skinny he got. Um, And he was passing out on set. It was awful. From the day he finished The Machinist until they started filming Batman Begins, he gained 100 pounds. In fact, he actually showed up too heavy. He was muscular, but he, they actually say he looked more like Wolverine than he did Bruce Wayne. And so he actually wow. had to do a ton of cardio. He could lift anything, but he said if he had to run across the room in the suit, he ran out of breath. So Nolan said, go do some cardio. And so he actually had to lose like 20 pounds. And so, but his wow. body transformation, can, can that be good for your body? Uh, yeah, I feel like I he's going to drop dead at like 52 or something. I know. He's our greatest Welshman. This is funny. And this rando will link to another rando about Robert Pattinson, but it's called the Bat Bark, but his Batman voice is probably the most criticized thing about the Nolan trilogy is people don't like it, but that was a choice Bale made. And Bale said he wanted that gravelly voice because he said he wanted there to be a line that divided Bruce Wayne and Batman. He wanted there to be complete differentiation between the playboy Bruce Wayne and who Batman was. Because the suit wasn't enough. Yeah, the suit wasn't enough. The flying around kicking people's asses was not enough. Want to be identified. Yes. I'm not wearing hockey pads. And so for him, that voice was kind of the demarcation point between Bruce Wayne. Demarcation. Good word. Mm, Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to pontificate. The line of. That's right, baby. I didn't mean to pontificate. (laughs) I didn't mean to pontificate (laughs) that. Sorry. Kind of an extemporaneous point. But, and lastly, on uh, Batman Begins, while shooting the Batmobile Tumblr scene, which, by the way, both of these Batmobiles are awesome, but that fucking Tumblr is awesome. And Morgan Fox being the guy that, or sorry, Morgan. 
Freeman being the guy that introduces <laughs> Morgan, Fox, huh? Morgan Fox. Lucius. He's Lu- not been in Hollywood for 40 Lucius years or anything. Freeman. Not yeah. to be confused with Megan Fox. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very similar, though. Megan Very, Fox oh, and yes. Morgan Freeman. And I don't know, and this has been confirmed. This has been confirmed by several sources. I, I thought it was wrong because I was kind of like, why is there ongoing traffic in Chicago while they're filming the Tumblr? But apparently a drunk driver, again, this has been validated by several sources. A drunk driver saw the filming going on and saw the Tumblr, thought it was an alien invasion, and freaked out, hit the gas, and sideswiped the Tumblr while they were filming the movie. What? Yes, I know. And I was like, why is there real life traffic going on? I guess they didn't shut down both lanes. Like, I don't know what the deal was. But anyway, this guy sideswiped the Tumblr because he thought it was an uh, alien. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. It is. Even in the, <laughs> even in the 2000s. Yeah, I'm not so, sure that alcohol gets you to that point. I know. It there had, had to, be to have been else. something else yeah, there. Yeah. Benzodiazepines. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Randos man. Here we go. The comic influence for the Batman was the long Halloween. And it really focused on the Riddler leaving the clues and, and was kind of this more murderous. It wasn't the murderous Riddler we got in the movie, but he was leaving clues. It was more of a serial killer type of Riddler. Um, and if you think, if you're thinking this whole time, like, wow, they were really hitting serial killer vibes with the Riddler in this movie. It is because Reeves really was pulling from the Zodiac killer. He was pulling from all kinds of serial killers. In fact, there was a line, you know, when they catch him and he's in there or he's in the, the cafe and he says, I just ordered a piece of apple pie. That was actually a play on words because the Golden State killer, a real life serial killer said, I just put roast in the oven when he was arrested by the cops. Wow. So, so he was heavily pulling from real life serial killers and the book Mindhunter that inspired the Netflix show. Yes. He read that. He used that to influence the Riddler. Interesting. And of course, Reddit with QAnon was to me yeah, the biggest. Yeah. And also another serial killer element that they pulled was they wanted his outfit, his costume to be things you could buy at the store like a real serial killer, which is why it's duct tape and plastic and yeah. it's all stuff you can buy at that Goodwill. That is honestly, that's what I loved about the Batman. Nothing was proprietary. Like everything felt like this you is doable. You liked it because it didn't feel like a superhero movie. Exactly. It didn't feel any <laughs> yes. at all. My like, favorite superhero movie is the ones that don't feel like a yeah. superhero yeah. Like, I love that the penguin just had a scarred face and was a weird looking Italian guy. Like, yeah. Did you guys get Godfather vibes from him? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. He, and he pulled for that. He pulled mostly from Al Capone, but he definitely said old mob movies were definitely his biggest inspiration for, for Colin Farrell. No one's going to be able to hear that. Say yeah, that's again. true. Sorry. I, I had to tap off. I have a, this is my first time smoking a live <laughs> action cigar. Off a cigar. Not off his, my stick here. He's not <laughs> tapping his cat. I'm going to relight it, too. I'm talking so much, I'm not smoking. My cigar went out. My Nika Rustica is betraying me. Speaking, this is funny. Actually, I'm going to skip a rant and go back to it. This is very prevalent to what we just talked about with cigars. One of Penguin's greatest relevant relevant factors is that he's always smoking a pipe or he's smoking a cigar. Warner Brothers would not let Penguin have any cigarettes, cigars in this movie. What? And they were just trying to have a cigar. They were just like, listen, not only is he the penguin, he's inspired by Al Capone. That was Colin Farrell's argument. He's like, he's like, this guy is Al Capone in the superhero universe. Let me have a cigar. They kiboshed it, never let him smoke. A couple things. Cigarettes are not the same as premium hand-rolled cigars. They are Hollywood. not. Hollywood, get over yourselves. Just, no over child yourself. who wants to go smoke is going to go spend at a store 12, 15, 20 bucks, or $8 for that matter. On one On stick. one cigar that you can't even breathe in because you'll choke to Death. And it'll make you sick so, yeah. the first time. That's a bummer. Because one of my favorite things to do while watching movies for this podcast is to identify cigars when they appeal, like when they pop up. I'm like, hey, now, what's he smoking? And now we're smoking while we're potting. Yes, we Isn't are. Isn't life great? Dreams do come true. Post-COVID, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How long can we say that, by the there way? There are a thousand people here with <laughs> us know. right now breathing on us. Every just... day it finds a way to make its way into my conversations, COVID. Someone brings it up all the time. I don't know how it's still. So where were you when you found out that 
that COVID hit. The Man, same place it, I was 9-11 if there's one thing I was in my seat. I wish humanity would stop saying it's when COVID hit. It's like, oh, did the disease just auto-populate right in front of everyone and smack everyone in the dick at the same well, time? Well, it kind of like, did. On. It's presence on society. Yeah, it was when true. all the sports got canceled. That was when it hit. Yeah, but it never that hit 14 back 14 days then. to flatten the curve. You remember that? That was when it quote-unquote hit. We digress. Uh, so interestingly enough, Kurt Cobain would be rolling in his grave. I, I was a big Nirvana fan. I love the way they used um, something in a way. That is one of my favorite songs. I have that on vinyl. I'm just a giant Nirvana fan. Always have been. Bruce Wayne Reeves said he modeled him after Kurt Cobain. He wanted him to be to appear as the drugged out tragic celebrity because he wanted him to look like a guy that was up all night being Batman and waking up bruised and paying the price for doing that, which is why Pattinson always looks beat down. And so they use something in the way. There was definitely a lot of Kurt Cobain Nirvana influence here. Um, so as a Nirvana fan, I loved it. And lastly, this is going back to the rando about the voice with Bale. People complain about Bale's voice, but Pattinson had different complaints. Warner Brothers made him change his voice. So the studio stepped in. Apparently he was whispering the whole time. His Batman voice was a whisper. They couldn't hear it. It didn't sound good. Even though they wanted him to go for something different than what was done in Batman Begins, um, they still wanted to be audible. <laughs> they still wanted to be slightly intimidating. So they made him completely change it. So they sent Robert Pattinson back to the woodshed uh, to <laughs> to do it, to redo the voice. So he redubbed a lot or he uh, had to reshoot? They reshot. Yeah, reshot. I think they probably stepped in relatively early. There was a lot of stuff going against Pattinson here because there was rumors going around that he wasn't hacking it very well. Um, him and Reeves butted head a lot, heads a lot because the thing about the detective style of Batman, there's a lot more dialogue. He's talking more. He's on crime scenes. He's investigating. He's doing just as much talking as he is ass kicking. So because of that, there was a lot more acting involved. And Reeves, um, there was actual video footage of this. They were arguing on set and they had done 40 takes of something. Pattinson accused Reeves of forcing him to overact. Be between the voice and this argument they had, they were thinking the media was like, Pattinson can't cut it as Batman. There was a lot going against Pattinson here. I th still think he turns in a good performance, but those are the randos. Very rando. Very rando. While Phil is assessing the bourbon, they remember, the best nice. way that you can help Movie Wars is you tell your friends, you share it with grandma on Instagram, you tag your relatives. Even if they don't like movies, you tell them. If you don't like movies, you still are going to love the offensive jokes on Movie Wars. So share it with your friends. It's easy to do. There's a little share button there in Spotify, Apple. Shall we go to the Bat Cave? Let's cave it up. Let's Let's go to the Let's natural aquifer that cleans our water where Batman lives. The caves. Let's do that. Caves. They're just, they're just caves. Caves. Sorry, Sorry weird speed. Way reference. throwback. Funny enough, while we're doing this, while Phil's getting, or while Drew's getting the iPad ready, um, <laughs> the guy. Like, does Drew not know how to use an iPad? What, what the yeah, he's getting charging. it ready. He's it was dead, guys. It was dead, and now it's charging. It, interesting side rando. This just came to my mind. The guy that just that played, so the Arkham Knight games are beloved in the video game world. The guy that voiced Batman in all those movies died recently, but what reminded me, Mark Hamill played the Joker in all those games. Oh, yeah. And he, I think he voiced and a lot games? of... Mark Hamill all, voiced a lot of Batman characters. All the Arkham characters. Batman video games. No shit. Yeah, he voices Dude, the Joker. Mark Hamill in between Star Wars and Star Wars was like an insanely successful voice actor. Yeah, he's really Tons good. Tons of cartoons. Interesting. All right, let's go to the Batcave. Hey, Drew. No, 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 no. Top Bill Cashman. Top Bill. Top Bill Cashman. Top Bill. 
Iron Man, Iron Man does whatever an iron can. That's from Biodome. Top Bill cast for Top. Batman Begins, Christian Bale, Michael Caine, and Liam Neeson. For the Batman, you've got Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and Colin Farrell. Oh, I'm going to start. <laughs> this is so hard. Here's the thing. The fact that you got Carol Colin Farrell in that cutoff changes things. Because before I had a different answer, but uh, raise your hand if you knew that was Colin Farrell. I actually did not. As yes. who? I saw it As in a the theater in Las Vegas. I did not know that. Unbelievable. He's a guy that we have shit on on this podcast, mostly for his performance in Minority Report. I love Christian Bale. He's one of my top five. I thought Michael Caine was brilliant. I love the focus on Alfred. Like I, That's one area where I think the Batman struggled was is they didn't do a great Alfred. Michael Caine dominates that role, but I, I'm actually going to go against my gut here. Colin Farrell was enough here to go the Batman. His Penguin was one of the best, especially because I actually think the Penguin was a better villain than the Riddler in that movie. He was oh, yeah. more fun. I enjoyed him more. I think that he could have used more Penguin in the movie. I'm going the Batman here just simply because of Colin Farrell's breakthrough performance here. You want to go... <laughs> I'm still undecided. Um, I'm just going to go with my gut here. I'm going to go Batman Begins, mostly because I think Bill's performance and did we throw Michael Caine in that? Michael Caine's performance and Bill's performance, they were a lot more memorable as those actors versus in The Batman. I feel like I say this on every episode because there's one movie that qualifies in this. I feel like we could have swapped out Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and have gotten a very similar product because mm -hmm. The Batman was so dependent on the vibe and the pacing and that noir thing and just the entire package of it would have, like if you'd have stuck any A-list actor, male actor, not any, but like within reason, a lot of A-list actors that fit that physical bill that Robert Pattinson qualified for or whatever, I feel like we would have gotten a really similar product. Like, I don't feel like Robert Pattinson made or broke that movie one way or another, whereas Christian Bale's performance was really dynamic and Michael Caine is Michael Caine. Um, <laughs> I've got, man, I don't know if this is the time or place, but I have the weirdest Michael Caine story. This is the time. When I was a kid, I saw the Muppet Christmas Carol movie. Michael Caine plays Scrooge in that movie. Oh, wow. And when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Muppet Christmas Carol movie because I just thought Michael Caine was so fucking cool. I remember watching that movie and asking my dad, who's that guy playing Scrooge? And my dad was like, oh, Michael Caine. He's like a really well-known classic actor. And I just like never forgot that. So then I think I was in first grade. The school that I went to was doing like a big hero wall in one of the hallways where every kid had to draw a picture of their hero and write the name and why they were their hero under it and put it up on this wall. And being in first grade, Everybody's like, my dad, my uncle, my brother, you know, Superman or some shit. Dude, <laughs> he said I Kane. said Michael. I did Michael Kane. That's and amazing. Drew a picture of this skinny man with a frown on his face and a top hat. And it was like, and my hero is, and I literally wrote out Michael Kane. And then they stuck it on the wall. And then on like some parent teacher day, all the parents came through and they were showing them the hero wall. And my mom's like, oh, which one's yours? And I point at it and she walks up to it and is giving it this quick physical look and I will just I can't replicate this because it's 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 audio but like I remember she sees it and the look she gives me she looks at me and she goes Michael Caine like that and she was like you wouldn't say something like your father and I was like and I, I was thinking they'd be so proud of me for thinking outside the box and thinking of like somebody <laughs>
anybody other than like my dad or something like that. That's but they amazing. were everybody was like so appalled by the fact that I my hero as a first grader was fucking Michael Caine. I love that. So that is that is a true story. That's pretty awesome. Michael, if you're listening, you made an impact. It was like this moment of great pride and embarrassment simultaneously because everybody I felt like everyone was laughing at me after that. Like, ah, this kid has no family. He picked Michael Caine. You know, so anyway. What's funny is when I think of Michael Caine, I think of Alfred, but I also think of the fact that he somehow made an appearance in Jaws for the Revenge, which has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one of the worst movies Amazing. ever yet. He's in there. Michael he Caine. Is. Yes. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. You almost flipped me, man. I'm having a hard time. Oof. This is extremely difficult. You know, and, and time will tell if Robert Pattinson's Batman will carry on and leave a legacy. Because we don't know, he may go on to make a trilogy and and that's the goal. Leave a legendary mark on the Batman. You know, who knows mm-hmm. what's going to happen. But I think as of right now, for me, I got to go Batman Begins because I mean, say what you want, but Christian Bale, you, whether you like his voice or the, you know him being a dick on set or whatever, you know, kind of bad reputations he's gotten over the years, it was a great Batman. He was, and, yeah. And Michael Caine is a legend in his own right. To he's Phil's a legend point. to me. Uh, whether he's you're my in first father. grade or whether you're in your first. Year of you know living in a nursing home or like, Jaws Four. You, you the love Michael Caine, so and Liam Neeson, he plays such a good like aged like mentor role, you know. But obviously with Qui Gon and then yeah. in in this movie, so I just I like that. If we're just go, if those are our three Qui come Qui characters, I'm gonna go Batman Begins Ugh. for right now. Although Selena Kyle, I really liked her. I believed her. She's extremely obviously a beautiful woman and and very just like alluring and charming, and you kind of like want to pull for her and like her friend and stuff. That I thought she did a great job, but I'll go back. Oh, yeah, she was really, really good. And she was the most successful Catwoman interpretation. Yeah, 100%. Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman Returns. Finally made Catwoman cool. Yep. Yeah. Of course, those movies were all about, the Burton ones were so literal about the characters. I love love the liberties they took with her here. I'm not changing my vote, but, you know, one thing, when I I didn't mention this in a random earlier, with Bale's body transformation, Nolan said he's the most dedicated actor he's ever worked with. He said that was the most dedicated thing an actor has ever done. (sighs) It's hard for me to go against Bale, but I was that, I was that blown away by Farrell that I picked I picked the, the Batman here. So we got one in the cave here. So, uh... Hi there, Drew. Go to the Batcave and pull out that iPad and do supporting cast, man. We ain't got time. Supporting cast, or what I like to call everyone else. It <laughs> <laughs> is so true, though. So true. As Raz Al Ghul, Ken Watanabe, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Sil- Killian, excuse me, Killian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Morgan Freeman, uh, <laughs> the Batman, Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant James Gordon, uh, Paul Dano, John Turturro, Andy Serkis, and uh, we'll say Peter Sarsgaard, I think is worth mm. a mention. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll stop there. Kyle, man, let's start with you, bro. That's tough, dude. The Batman's a little more hit and miss. Uh, listen, Gary Oldman is one of the greats. You just, audience, you might have just heard a dog barking. Um, I feel like somebody Drew just, just hit a, their dog. a dog with a bat over here. Yeah. Drew's actually Batman, but in a different sense. Gary Oldman is Gordon. He was so good. He's such a great actor. He really is perfect. He's so good. I love like his. He, there's not nerdiness, but there's an uneasiness about how he played Gordon. Like Gordon, I gotta get me one of those. Like, didn't it feel like Gordon was just unsure, but he went with the flow? Oh, totally. And yeah. he totally nailed that. That unease. Like, I don't know why I should trust this Batman guy, but I'm gonna do it because everyone else is dirty in my division. And he was a guy that felt like he was along for the ride, didn't know what to expect, but he flowed with the punches. And I thought he delivered the perfect Gordon of the supporting cast that you just listened listed. You and I love the Apple Show Severin. John Turturro. Oh, Turturro is like, yeah. He's, he's a fantastic yeah. actor. He does a perfect Falcone. Um, he's great in No Brother Where Art Thou. He's not enough to, to nail the category for me, but I did want to call out how great he stuck out in that cast to me. Gary 
Gary Oldman was enough. I loved how he did it. And uh, so, yeah, I go Batman Begins. Drew. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, to me, Batman will come and go. The villains will come and go. These guys are replaceable. But I just don't ever see me liking uh, Jim Gordon, anyone else better than Gary Oldman. But I actually feel the same. I know we covered Michael Caine. I feel the same about Michael Caine as Alfred. And I also actually feel the same about Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Yeah. To me, no matter who plays those three characters in any movie, in a Batman movie in my lifetime, they're, this is the archetype. This is the thing that you're going to try to beat. Like, this is the standard for those characters. Freeman so. was the comic relief through and through, and it was so good. He was amazing. And he's never not amazing, so it wasn't surprising, but uh, it, yeah. He's I, the cherry on top in this movie. Yeah, I go Batman Begins. Yeah, I also go Batman Begins. Once again, same reason I, I went with Batman Begins for the top build cast. Other than Turturro, I feel like you could swap out most of the people who... Probably not Dano, but... Man, I don't know. There are a lot of people who play a good psycho these days. Like, But Dano is like... He is good. A very, he's like spam, man. He is but, like a very specific... Man, Batman... Very uh, specific. Batman yeah. Begins, like the, the star power of Gary Oldman, uh, Morgan Freeman... Killian Murphy. Yeah, Killian Murphy. Like, they were really, oh, really quality in their roles. Him. He, um, was, he was extraordinary. This was my yeah. introduction to him. You're you're actually the person that made the Peaky Blinders. Dude, I'm like, hey, a Killian huge Murphy's. Killian Murphy fan. I think he mm -hmm. is this a was perpetually my first... underrated He's actor. awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This and he my... doesn't get a lot of love other than from Nolan. That's what I'm saying. He's like a perpetually underrated actor, top to bottom. Even Peaky Blinders, like Peaky Blinders had a had a moment in society, but it hasn't, I feel like it hasn't really stuck around. Because it's a Netflix um, show. But man, it's that is one of the best television shows ever made, Agreed. period. And Killian Murphy's portrayal in that show was one of the best portrayals Incredible. Of, of that type of individual ever. And he's asked to do a lot in that show. Hey, he is. He carries that entire show. Like you take him out of that, it's not the same show. And we're not, but we're not talking about Pete Blinders. <laughs> Did you like him? We're in talking Batman about Man Bat. <laughs> But Batman Be Begins. Batman Begins, I feel like that movie lived and died by the people casted in it, whereas The Batman was such a strong film that you could have swapped out everybody but John Turturro and that film would have been just as good. Um, that said, I was going to do exactly what Kyle did, which was give John Turturro a shout out. Like, he's low-key, probably one of my favorite actors. Like, whenever he appears in a movie, I'm, I'm in. But he doesn't miss. He always, he nails every role he plays. I felt like he was an infinitely better Falcone than the guy who played him in Batman. Oh, begins. Infinitely. The, the guy in Batman Begins was f forgetable as fuck. He Typical was just mobster guy. Some boring ass old white dude trying to play like an Italian mobster and it just didn't work. That dude couldn't have even hacked it as a Scorsese he mob sucked, extra. Man. Like I that yeah. was one of the only things about Batman Begins that I was like, really this guy? Whereas then Katie Holmes. What's that? Yeah, Katie Holmes, we, we could have left her at the train station too. Like she wasn't <laughs> and they quite literally did by recasting her in the next movie. Yeah, yeah like she was with an even more subpar actor. She was awful. Oh Maggie Dylan. And all. I like her, but I like Holmes better, but that's because of the Thank you. Thank you, is a good actress. I like, I like Thank You for Smoking a lot. I thought that was really but good. Yeah, but. anyway, Batman Begins just top to bottom mm -hmm. had a far more memorable cast filled with memorable performances. We move on now. God, I hate it. You want to nurse some thoughts before we move on to the next category. My introduction to Killian Murphy, now one of my favorites. We're going to get to see him. You know, you talked about how he doesn't get enough love. He is he is in the next Nolan movie. He stars as Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, Ra's al Ghul. No, sorry, what's the guy that designed the atomic bomb? What's 
what's the movie called? Oh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, he's Oppenheimer. Oh. And he's that's going to be a real complex movie. I think that that movie has a lot of potential to be great. And that's that's Keely Murphy front and center. I hope so, man. The last Nolan yeah. movie was a swing and a miss. Yeah, it was. So. I was just trying to do too much. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned that. Nolan, historically, and I want to know what you guys think about this. He plays with time so much, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. Some argue it's a crutch. Some argue it's a shtick that he mm -hmm. does, that he's going to go down in history as like the time guy, which there's a case to be made. But if there's a case against it, it's this trilogy, right? Yeah. Because anytime you want to say, yeah, but he's just, he's the guy that does all the time movies, right? It's like, yeah, but did you see Dark Knight? Dude doesn't need that to no. make an incredible movie. Like, he's not leaning on a clever idea or concept about messing with time. That is a time. mic drop point. Like, he really brought it with this trilogy. So I think that was a cool statement for his career. Like, and he, he can, and he can like, do the time thing all he wants because at the end of the day, like, you listen to a band you love because they have a sound that you like and they do that totally. sound over and over and over again. I watch Nolan films because he does a thing really well. He's really, really great at taking complex topics and distilling them down into something that stays heady but is palatable, you know? And totally. so he's one of the greats easily except for what was that movie that he really that they dropped and it was just like a breakneck train wreck of bullshit that's the one that he the, his last oh movie, with right? denzel washington's son yeah what was that movie like it, it it should have just been a series because they tried to shove like 15 hours worth of content into a three-hour film and you were just left with your head spinning the whole time You're referring to tenet tenet god yeah. i loved what tenet tried to do i hated what it did yeah no that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Scorsese does cr mob crime movies. And, yeah, Scorsese you know, Hitchcock is, does suspense thrillers. And yes. like everybody's got their thing. Yeah, and this so, is just a very specific thing that nobody else can do, which yeah, I think so is shitting, the case in his defense. Shitting on Nolan for, for playing with quantum physics or whatever is kind of a cheap shot because he's proven his metal time and time again in other types of films. And in a heat... Uh, little documentary I watched for the Heat matchup. He actually hosted a panel uh, on the 20th anniversary of Heat. And Kyle, I know you watch this. He hosted it because he esteems Michael Mann and what he did in that movie and references him a lot. And I think yeah. you actually see that. I actually noticed some of that in Batman Begins. Just the way that he shot the city and the mm -hmm. just the, the shots of the steam rising off the street. And like, it's just very Michael Manny. Yeah. And this is something that maybe only the Movie Wars crew knows because Tim McGovern did the CGI on Dunkirk with Christopher Nolan. Yep. He talks about him as a as an artist, as someone that recognizes frames that look like paintings. Dunkirk, that's not a time-based No, like and he talked about how obsessive he was over frames. He, sh he shoots it in each what? act is a different uh, like one is zoomed in on an hour the next act is oh, zoomed in Oh, but he's on not a... fucking with like heady physics in that film though. No, but it's it's a time thing. Like, yeah, like one I, act I, is I get like, it. get, like that, it's a yeah. short time and I, I could be wrong about what exactly but like it's a each act is a different take on That's a that's a that's a good point. Well, what McGovern told me was he was like and by the way if you're not a Patreon subscriber we interviewed Tim McGovern Oscar winning uh, CGI director for Total Recall. He did the CGI for Dunkirk and he Kyle was talking apparently text with him now. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a while. I hope he's okay. He lives in India. Um, he was telling me about how he fought because he said- <laughs> He just gives his address on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to visit him, his address yeah. is 2939. He Sorry. told me, he was like, Nolan is so anti-CGI. He rarely uses CGI. He's so anti. Like it, the Inception shot with the exploding, the ex 
exploding Parisian cafe. That was all real. And so the he, city folding over on itself, that was real too, right? Yeah, that was real. Yeah, they no, folded no Paris CGI in half. There, yeah. but they just he, put lifters under the city. What a budget! And, but what yeah. he said was, is no one would get behind the camera and like there's this very specific shot, Dunkirk, where the camera has water droplets on it. Now, a lot of times they're like, oh, we got to redo the shot. There's water droplets. But no one was so fixed that he was like, no. He's like, keep that frame. He's like, that looks like a like a Da Vinci painting. He was like, there's water droplets. He was like, keep the camera in the water. Get the water droplets on there. And he said, Nolan obsessed. So he's not just not just a time guy. We got the Batman trips. We got these beautiful frames. The guy's a fucking filmmaker. He's a genius. He just has a concept he likes. And Leave before, my boy alone. And, and the only other thought I want to get to before we move on to Unearth, I'm a big Paul Dano fan. We know this, but he did what he was asked to do here to play a QAnon influenced Riddler insane guy. And he does well, but he very much pulled so much from Eli. I felt like I was watching him in There Will Be Blood. He really, I started to question him. Like, he's oh. a crazy person. I was like, I love Paul, but how how is how is his his how dynamic is he really? Like, I feel like I'm watching Eli. But here's the thing: does it matter for you, Eli? Does it matter if he's dynamic? Does every actor need to be from A to Z with their ability? Like, can they not live in like? Great point. Yes, I have a great retort. Can they not do a thing really well and get called to do that thing time and time again because they look the part and play the part and just do the thing? Good point. But when you're playing somebody as iconic as the Riddler. I don't want to watch the Riddler and only think of Eli Sunday from There Will Be Blood. And that's the thing. It's Yeah, the, but if you look at Patrick Mahomes, you not want to only see him as a quarterback. Why can't he play other positions? Why yeah, can't he exactly. play basketball? I know, but it's like, no, he just yes, he's an athlete, but it doesn't mean he plays athletically every sport or every position well. He does one thing well. Yeah. Why isn't it the same for actors? Yeah. I think that's yeah. a great I think that's a great point. Yeah. I, I I get what you guys are saying. I just maybe because I love There Will Be Blood so much, I couldn't unsee that. Like I don't feel like he was differentiating. Uh, it's your personal bias. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, I just want to say, hey, shout out to Paul Dano. I love you. I am I am a big supporter, and I've told everyone about you. See you at dinner on Thursday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is two to zero. Batman began, but it looks like it may finish at this point. Batman began. <laughs> Batman began. Batman may Man finish. Man Bat Gibbons. Side Rando, the original title for this film was Batman Beginning. So obviously a yeah, little change. Yeah, that's a stupid title. I'm glad they moved away from First that First bro category here. The Riddler was a forensic accountant in this movie. That was his day job if you recall. Would you rather the Scarecrow be your therapist or the Riddler be your accountant? It is tax season. Drew, what do you think? Slim Pickens here in the villain daily job profession Ooh, category. do you want to mess with your money or your mind? That is the <laughs> yeah, question. That was a better way to say that it. That is tricky. I'm going to re-say the category. Would you rather have your money messed with or your mind? <laughs> yeah, I'll go to the Batman then because I want the Riddler dealing with my money. Because there's degrees of separation. Because he's not trying to like embezzle. That's not what he's yeah, doing. He's, you know, like his thing he's yeah. just he's not worried killer. about money. He's not accumulating wealth. He doesn't wealth. care about money. He's trying to get out of that profession and get into the one where he tricks people into... To the terrorism yeah, profession. Yeah. Yeah. He's ordering apple pie in a cafe. He's not embezzling <laughs> your money. He's my, not going to Ruth Chris. My accountant could be a serial killer, and I wouldn't know it. So, there we go. He's if I don't get audited every year, it's yeah, a win. I don't done give a, a fuck job. if it's a Riddler or Bradley Johnson from fucking Gallatin, Tennessee. Yeah, he's done a great job for years. <laughs> uh, so, if he was a serial killer or some QAnon psychopath, I'd not only have no way of knowing I'm not sure I'd care. Does he do the job? Great. That's the last thing I want is a corrupt psychologist or whatever, you know, putting on a mask made of like fucking shredded sackcloth and spraying gas in my face. So I see worms coming out of his fucking mouth. That's terrifying. That'll scar you forever. That was fucking terrifying. Like I can get a new accountant. I can't get a new brain. So yeah. And, and one session with the scarecrow and it's not like you're going to book him again. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're working for him at yeah. that point. You're in Arkham Asylum. You're either dead scarecrow. or you're, call, you're looking for a new therapist. Yeah. This is tough. You know what? What's funny when I when I posed this question originally, I was trying.
trying to be funny, but I was thinking, I was like, I've been in corporate America a while. Sometimes I'm not, and this isn't for all you numbers people, but sometimes numbers people like accountants and really math oriented people, you're kind of like, what do you do in your spare time? You know, kind of like, what do you, do you are, are you, are you, <laughs> There's wear- no way that you enjoy this. So like, yeah. what do you, enjoy? are you wearing someone's skin in your apartment? Is they're that- all working out the <laughs> nine millionth figure of pie together. That's what they're doing. So for that reason, I, I'm so bad at numbers. I, I would rather try to be on my own. I'd rather take, take risk in my mental life and not use this scarecrow, but money, I'm so frugal. I need someone that knows what to do. And I don't care. I don't care what you're doing in your spare time. Just don't get me audited. I go Riddler here. Wow. The Batman. The Batman. So maybe Batman stalls here and doesn't even begin. Maybe it's a false start. You know, it's a false begin. (laughs) Five yard penalty. (laughs) Repeat the down. The Batman is flagged with a false start. (laughs) False begins. Um, Phil, you're going to kick us off here. Resident car man. Best Batmobile. Oh, the Batman. Hands down. Not even close. Tell us why. Talk to me about it. Because it was believable. It it was it was obviously an old muscle car of some kind that got modified that he just did a bunch of shit to to make it more conducive to his needs as a crime fighting detective. And that dude, the intro of the Batmobile in The Batman was awesome. Like that was a great scene. I just love that was actually the that, climax of the movie. That to thing me. like came to life. It was so cool. It had like a it had like a vibe. It was evil. It was dark. It was like it was menacing. Whereas like it, it had a USB with a thumb attached to it. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, whereas the one in Batman Begins, like it was cool. Like the the whole Tumblr thing was fine, but like I don't know that that was just kind of like hearkening to the back to the fact that like the Wayne family is an unlimited budget, and so he was able to like procure this military technology to uh, you know roam the streets of Gotham or whatever. Whereas I felt like the uh, the Batmobile and the Batman was so on brand for Batman, and I loved that it wasn't this ultra advanced like kind of goofy ass vehicle. So to me, it's like not even a question, like the Batman just all day long. Your intuition was so spot on. You even know it. Uh, Reeves, the director said his biggest influence for the Batmobile was Christine, Stephen King's haunted, possessed car that was a murdering car. That was the thing was, it was just what he modeled. It had a demonic mind of its own. And when that thing turned on and the engine sound and like that blue flame or that blue presence coming out the side of it and the headlights kind of like you could tell the alternators like struggling to keep that thing going like it was awesome yeah he said he wanted it to feel like christine he wanted it to feel like the car like he didn't want it to feel like batman was chasing penguin he wanted to feel like it was a possessed car oh man they nailed nailed it it feels like that 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 was Mm. great what do you think, Drew? Well, well, I think that for the same exact reasoning and l- l- rationale you just gave, I go the opposite direction. Uh-oh. Because I don't want a normal-looking car. I don't want to see a car in Batman that I see on the streets. I want to see something fucking crazy. When I see it, I want to think aliens invaded, and I maybe I should sideswipe this thing. <laughs> maybe like, I that's should what do I want cocaine. to see in a Batman movie. I just thought that was so cool. I loved how Morgan Freeman just like took him for a test drive and the whole thing. Like that was. That- Does it come in black? And then the freaking and like it evolves into the motorcycle, whatever vehicle in Dark Knight. Like that's kind of a staple, a centerpiece of the Nolan trilogy is the vehicles. I mean, that's a, it's a Batman thing in general. Yeah. But yeah, I, I got to go Batman Begins. The thing is, is the Batmobile is like up there in iconic vehicle film territory. Like the Batmobile, the Ghostbusters vehicle. Like it's just, oh, so, yeah. it's so up there. Did you guys have toy Batmobiles when yes. you were a kid? Every, I feel like everybody did. That was born in the 90s. The one, from, the one from the Burton ones is cool. The long one. God, this is hard. I, I think in the Batmobile, 
Batman, this is crazy. What I, my thought was is the movie never got better than that scene. Like, I feel like that was the climax of the Batman. I feel oh, like- I don't agree, man. I, that scene at the end where he's like, the lights are flickering and you see like just flashes of him punching guys out. I thought that was a really well shot scene. And yeah. like, I loved that moment. I personally thought the that chase was the best scene in the movie. The way, like you said, Phil, the way they introduced the Batmobile, it was so horrifying and it was like a monster. Yeah, And it man. frightened the penguin. I love that. you weren't that. sure what you were looking at mm -hmm. at first. You're like, what the fuck is happening over there? But that being said, it's a few centimeters of separation here. I remember being in theaters watching Batman Begins for the first time. And when I saw that tumbler and the first time it ran through a wall and it started driving on roofs, I was like, this is cool. I remember just kind of getting goosebumps. I was just like, this is badass. And you didn't expect it to be like that because the Batmobile traditionally was slender. During the Adam West days, it was kind of just like a kind of a toned down sports car. It was like a Countach with I was like, this is Nolan kind of putting his fingerprint on the franchise. This is way too badass. And also it's the link between Lucius Fox and Wayne. Like they, they talk technology. Does it come in black? You know, and he's using code. Like I'm going spelunking. You know, it's like, it just, it's such a great dynamic. Again, this is by a skosh because I love the horror element in the Batman, but I do go Batman Begins. They're both super cool. They're both. And they're both. I love that. The, obviously, I love that what the Batman did because it was different. Like mm -hmm. it, it was a fresh, completely fresh take. So yeah. kudos to, to the Batman as well. And the Batman, when it when the Penguin thinks the chase is over and he's- Yeah, and it just busts through the median. And it jumps yeah. out of the flames and he's upside down and the feet are walking. That was such a noir moment. Uh, mm -hmm. It was so good. But this is by the skin of the teeth, but this is Batman Begins for me. But Skin of the deep. God, that was the best scene to me. I love the car sequence in the Batman. It's three to one. Batman is beginning to get- <laughs> To get, <laughs> pull away. To, get, to pull away here. All right. And here's the thing. I try to go a lot of bro categories. I've got one more bro category, but, but superhero categories kind of create themselves here. You know, best villains. I personally thought the Riddler and Penguin and Falcone in the Batman were really terrifying. They were just these kind of stoic, dark, evil. Uh, not the Riddler wasn't stoic. The the two gangsters in the Batman were, were really just kind of dark, really fucked up dudes that you could see in those roles. And then the Riddler was pretty believable as like a real deranged psychopathic serial killer. So um, again, the Batman, the, this to me is where like the elements of that movie that really appealed to me, like really take off. And it's in those, the writing and the, the design and the characters in that film really shined in my opinion. So to me, those villains were uh, really, really just quality in the Batman. Yeah. I actually don't think this category is even very close. The Batman, I mean, what Farrell and um, Dano did was just so like believable. Like you're like, oh my, you almost think these people could actually oh, yeah. be out totally. there. That it's kind of chilling, and as much as I liked Killian Murphy's role as Scare as Scarecrow, I just don't actually like that character very much, mm -hmm. and I don't really like Ra's al Ghul that much. I just think the character choices in Batman Begins were not all that great, even though they did them well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as interesting. And if you expand the category just a little bit to include just like ancillary Batman universe characters, and then you loop in Catwoman in that, then it's like Batman. There's just so mm -hmm. much more there for fan ba Batman fans. Batman fans. Yeah. Sorry, a lot of Batman. Not ba Man, so Bat. much. There's so much more there with as far as character goes for Batman fans. There is something to be said that you can get too realistic with when you're trying to do literal interpretations of the material in these movies, but Penguin felt so much like a real Al Capone type. He felt so just the, his humor and the transformation that, that Farrell made was so good. I also think this is one of the few glaring faults in Batman Begins. It doesn't have many, but this whole balance between who is Ra's al Ghul and who is Ducard, because Liam Neeson played 
plays Ducard. If you don't know the comic book material, it's like, oh, he's is he Ra's al Ghul? I still don't know. It's like, because he's cast as Ducard. He's not cast as Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul's the bald guy. But it's like, right. it's like even now I'm still like, wait, did he assume his personality? Was Because it, it kind of felt like he was assuming Ra's al Ghul's personality. To me, that was the only glaring Wasn't fault. Wasn't Ra's al Ghul more of a, like a entity? Yeah, an idea, than, yeah. Like he was just like a concept right. that people inhabited more so than an individual. Like that's, yeah. well, that's the, the impression that I got. even asking that yeah. is kind of the point. It's, yeah. Like I said, it is a glaring really fault in an otherwise near perfect out. film. I know the Jim Carrey Riddler was over the top, but he did embody some of the elements of the Riddler that were really interesting. The outfit, the question marks. The riddles were very, very subtle in the movie, and that is his biggest attribute are the riddles in the comics. And I didn't love that interpretation as much, but I, I he was so horrifying. Like, it truly was. It, it was he was He was a serial killer. And the QAnon stuff, even though it was uncomfortable because it's so recent, like, they nailed that stuff. And it felt very much, even though I think it's going to ruin the timelessness see, of this I film. See, that, that's where, honestly, I don't agree at all. I think as long as the internet exists, that level of siloing in your own bizarre community and getting that kind of uh, confirmation bias in your groupthink is always going to be a thing. Um, yeah, but so, that came to light in a real way in our culture and society just a year it's ago. It's true. Like, right before this movie came out. Yeah, so January I, 6th and, yeah. But I don't necessarily think that'll date the movie. I think I think those siloed groupthink situations are always going to be a part of society now, especially like now that it's a lot easier to kind of navigate the internet in your own way. That's well, well said. and you could make a case that was incredibly forward thinking because a lot of that, like like you rep- you mentioned January sixth and the election, the script was written a long before all of that. That's true. You're right. So it, the fact that, that they pulled from that, and maybe that kind of proves your point, is it was already it's been a thing and will continue to be yeah. a thing. As long as the internet age exists, yeah. So maybe I'm just as old. This is me being an old fog, <laughs> being anti-internet. But I but. think that's a credit to the the movie that it was made yeah. forward thinking. But um, yeah. I'll just say this last point on this topic is what you remember about the Batman to me, what's memorable is the Penguin and Paul Dano's character, the Riddler. Like that, that's what's memorable. That's what makes that movie different to me. What you remember about Batman Begins is Christian Bale. It's Morgan Freeman. It's Michael Caine. It's, you know, James Gordon, you know, Gary Oldman, the, the all good guys. Like you, you remember that yeah, those that's guys true. are all that's a good point. You pull the whole movie. It's their movie. You're pulling for them. The Batman, like Robert Pattinson's fine. You know, whatever. Zoe Kravitz is hot. But, like, you think about the villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's true. And if if either of these movies nailed reality, maybe the cringe that I feel is just, like, they did such a good job embodying these current... Maybe I've been opposed to it, but what you just said made sense. It's, like, they embodied the current state so yeah. accurately that it actually... If these were real... These villains felt very real. Like, if you watch the Ted Bundy tapes where they're interviewing him in prison, this the yeah. Paul Dano prison scene, I was like, that kind of felt like watching the Ted Bundy tapes. It was well, very... Yeah. Very visceral and real. Well, going back to the Mindhunter thing, that felt like Mindhunter. Yes, it did. Mindhunter is a timeless concept, like diving into the minds of these insane, truly dark individuals. Kemp and Manson. Yeah, man. And Reeves read the Mindhunter to prep for this. So I I got now that you. It's funny how sometimes on these categories you guys change my mind. Like it, they they did a great job. I give this to the Batman wholeheartedly. And like you said, Raza Ghul. And then we, but it's hard to know too because then we have two other Nolan films to go on. We get the joke. Joker next, and we get the best yeah. villain of all time. <laughs> yeah, you could walk away and be like, I guess Nolan just doesn't do villains that great. Yeah, and then Dark Knight comes out like, oh, never mind. <laughs> he he does the villain. This is getting close here. It's uh, Batman is beginning to get a little razor thin here. It's almost becoming the Batman. T H E E. Oh. 
Shakespearean the we got another bro category here and I was really excited about this one because I know for Drew kind of trudging along through these long films what is who wins the it's 30 minutes too long category <laughs> Or, or, or this could <laughs> have been this could have been thirty minutes shorter. I guess the one that makes the best use of the time wins. I gotta go. Batman Begins here. I'm sorry, Phil. I know you disagree, but there's just some chunks in the Batman where I'm like, good God! Like there's a scene when like Selena Kyle and Bruce they're just talking in the this their, that high rise. It's like it felt like thirty minutes. I'm like, we get it. <laughs> just can we speed this up? Like that's the time to go pee and get some popcorn. Like yeah. it's just it was excessively long to me, and so and I just remember that even on a first viewing, I was like, man, we've been in this skyrise talking for a long time. Like, yeah. just, I was ready to see something blow up. And Batman Begins, while it's very, it is long, I never felt bored. Like, it's it's slowly paced, but it's steady and it's always interesting. Yeah, I would I would agree. Batman Begins made ooh, that movie was north of two and a half hours, right? Two hours, 26 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely told a more concise story. I personally, there's not a scene I would remove from Batman, the Batman, but they probably could have have cut time out of that and it would have still been just as interesting and I'm sure to many people more interesting so I, I would say that Batman Begins was a, just a better a better use of the time overall because from a commercial perspective it, it really capitalized on that whereas man the, the thing that really blew me away about the Batman is it felt like almost like an indie take on Batman yeah. like it was because you get like these indie films sometimes that really are like mm. self-indulgent in the way that they approach the subject matter and the Batman was incredible incredibly self-indulgent, but I love that in a movie. I love like dive in. Let, let's have some time porn here. Like with, let's just spend time some porn. time on this wow. movie. So Batman Begins was less indulgent. So from a commercial perspective, better use of the time. But to me, from an indulgence perspective, the Batman nailed it. I love that take. So that's yeah. a very objective and self-aware answer. Yeah. Like I, I could see why anybody would be really annoyed by the pacing in the Batman. But me personally, I dude, if you can keep me interested for three hours, you did a great job. Like, because I barely want to sit and watch a movie to begin with. So, like... <laughs> Good I, thing you're on a movie podcast. Yeah, exactly. It's a, I've, I've really found no, my calling you. here. But yeah, I go Batman Begins. It, it was just overall like a, it was a more concise storytelling situation. Yeah, this category too. And, and there are moments in the Batman that are truly stunning. Um, and I think Drew, you pointed this out in a conversation we had, just the way they painted Gotham. And it's interesting. They did Gotham and the Batman was filmed in Liverpool. Batman Begins with Chicago. Um, and those were, that's what they used for Gotham. One of the biggest malpractices, I think, in the directing of the Batman was, was the if they were mixing the the old school foundational element of what Batman is, which is he's a detective with some action added on top, and that worked in some areas, which meant we got a lot more dialogue because he's talking more, he's investigating, he's talking to Gordon, they're like collecting clues, which was great. But then they they when you have to introduce the modern technology elements that they were including, and like I said, I keep honing on the the timelessness. We have scenes where we're listening to voicemails on cell phones, like that becomes the delivery mechanism, and that's a natural annoyance I already have, but it felt like we've listened to this one voicemail at in full length twice already of the woman screaming. It was almost like they, they didn't know how to drive the point across, so they relied on like voicemails and computers. It kind of felt like they, they kind of didn't know how to deliver the message they were trying to, or they were trying to progress the movie to the next phase, and I just felt like there was a couple of like gimmies, you know what I mean? And so I think if they cut out some of that stuff, find better mechanisms to deliver that content, it might be a little cleaner, a little crisper. Again, there are stunning moments, and they're like Phil said, there are some moments I wouldn't want taken out of the Batman. I, I just think Batman Begins uses this time very well. Mm, that's a really good point too, man. 
And that lends itself to a bigger conversation, which we've had on this podcast many times is that, you know, fast forward 16 years or whatever, all of a sudden you have to, especially when you're telling a story that is realistic and it's supposed to Mm -hmm. feel kind of like it could exist. You have to kind of include technology. Okay. Now we got to deal with phones and we got to do deal with iPhone videos and, you know, you know, almost a Twitter live video that he's dropped threatening to kill somebody. You kind of have to deal with like the way technology is and that's fine, but it does make storytelling less interesting. Technology just is a huge hurdle in storytelling. Yeah, because it's very niche. The way that the the Riddler, what I assumed was 4chan. Like, that's kind of what they were saying, the Riddler was using. And, like, that even is kind of niche. I only know that because I, I keep up with, like, comedians like Tim Dillon, who makes fun of 4chan all the time. But most people probably don't understand. If you're not part of QAnon or don't believe in that or have, like, underbelly conspiracy stuff under your belt, QAnon, that 4chan reference isn't really going to make sense later on. But I do think it served the Riddler well for what he was accomplishing. I'm just saying that's pretty niche. So it's 4 to 2. It doesn't matter at this point, but I did save this category for last and it was inevitable. Best Batman, the actual character himself, and you can include the Bruce Wayne elements here too. Best Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Which version of the character, the iconic, beloved Batman? I'll start. If the category was best Bruce Wayne, my answer would be different. I think Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne was perfect. He was the perfect playboy, rich. I mean, he looks amazing in a tux. The way he played that alt, kind of like who he is in the daytime and like in the robe and the scenes like in bed with, you know, waking up and Morgan or uh, Michael Caine speaking with him about his you know how his night went and all that's that I was so into that I didn't really like his Batman as much probably to do had something to do with the voice mm-hmm. whereas yeah, Pattinson's yeah. Batman I I liked that because the a the voice wasn't obnoxious and he it didn't feel like he was trying too hard didn't feel like he was trying to do too much and he was just kind of it was a more quiet subtle uh, brooding, like all the turmoil that was happening was like in his face and in his like inside. You could feel and Bale, it was a little more like spilling out. He was, I don't know, it was like he was lashing out a little more, and I didn't like it quite as much as I liked Pattinson's. So it's mm-hmm. tough. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you like Bale or Pattinson? It's like, well, I like Bale's Bruce Wayne a lot, but I actually like Pattinson's Batman better. Wow, it's kind of like the Spider-Man point. You know, it's like Andrew Garfield is you know is better as Spider-Man, but Tobey Maguire is a better Peter Parker. It's 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 tough because they're they are different. They're different characters yeah. and different actors are going to do you just You just were so prophetic to me. I didn't even think about that. When you cast these guys and gals as superheroes, you're both casting the superhero, but you're also casting their human identity. Yeah. I, I you're don't know casting why. the whole coin. It's crazy to think about sides of it. Yeah. that you have to pick someone that fits both their their persona and who they really are as a superhero. That's crazy to me. You just blew my mind. I don't know why I didn't think about that. That was brilliant. So I think if you, so to, to sum, if you ask me who is better, Bale or Pattinson, I would say Bale. Mm-hmm. You said, who's the better Batman? I'd say Pattinson, if that makes sense. I actually go the Batman. Well, not actually. It's not like a surprise here. Um, I go the Batman here and Robert Pattinson's portrayal of it because I thought he was a better Batman. And this is going to be a, like a little, I don't know, controversial is a strong word, but um, I thought he was a better Bruce Wayne too because if you think about it, Bruce Wayne is an orphan. His parents were killed like in front of him. The Bruce Wayne that Pattinson plays like bleeds trauma. Like he... He just exudes trauma and reluctance and like you feel like that he is Batman because he has to be and he has no other choice. It's almost like he has to do this because like it's his calling and he's almost a lot of times doesn't want to. Like when he's standing at the edge of that building ready to jump off and he's zipping up his thing, like there's a look on his face like, holy fuck, I'm about to do this. And like he even gets to the edge of that building and like takes a breath and you can see him like, oh God, I need to Mm. jump off of 
this and I don't want to do this. And he zips up his thing and like takes his time. And like right when the cops come through the door and they're about on him, he falls off. It was like, Hmm. there was a very realistic, like he felt very human to me the entire time. And even, you know, when he shows up at Falcone's place as Bruce Wayne and he shows up at the funeral for the mayor as Bruce Wayne, there's like a brokenness and a sadness to him that I would imagine would be a part of Bruce Wayne that you've never gotten in any other movie. There's like a bipolarness to Bruce Wayne and every other portrayal of him except for the Batman. Like in the Batman, Bruce Wayne and Batman are really similar beings. Like the Batman is just this reluctant portrayal of the darker side of Bruce Wayne in the Batman. And Bruce Wayne himself is a broken, very traumatized individual when he's Bruce Wayne. So I liked both sides of that because to me, it's like, yeah, you saw your parents assassinated in front of you and you were like orphaned and and you were hidden from society for all these years. You'd be kind of fucked up. Whereas the Bruce Wayne that was portrayed by Christian Bale could just flip the switch and be like party mode and link arms with the ladies and go swimming in a fish pond or whatever. That plays for me too. But to me, what really played was the was the traumatized Bruce Wayne and then the reluctant Batman. I Dude, really like. I loved that. That's a great point. God, Phil, you're like on tonight. Did you take uh what the limitless? I took pill? my nootropics this today. The, the limitless pill Did tonight. You really? Yeah. Do you take it every day or just today? I've been taking it more recently. I can it's tell. It's really helped. That microphone is like... That. I was just curious. <laughs> I see some condensation on your microphone. It's no, over, no, that you it's just made it. You just like... That was a, gr- a fantastic point. Thanks, it actually man. makes me appreciate the Batman so much more because yeah. the driving motivation for Christian Bale's Batman was anger. Mm-hmm. It was like he was putting on a face during the day with as Bruce, but then when he was Batman, it was just eight, the, the rage. It was, was on, beast. yeah. But with Pattinson, the driving force was sadness. It was brokenness, sadness. It was, it was yeah. that little boy who watched his parents die, and he yeah. didn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. It's a brilliant point. And that's one of the things I love about these categories are often funny, they're often, you know, but sometimes we change our minds and we learn new things through the course of them. That's why I love these categories. Um, this was tough for me, and, and my answer is, is kind of somewhat the partiality I have towards Christian Bale's acting. The thing about Christian Bale is I see why they, I actually, actually think when they cast Bale, they were thinking of Wayne first. And the reason being is that there are moments when he's playing Wayne where he's putting on a show. Yes, he's the playboy and he's he's doing more so the playboy thing than the sadness thing that that they encapsulate in the Batman. But if you watch American Psycho, the reason Bale was so convincing in that movie is because he's a Wall Street millionaire and he's also a sadistic serial killer with just insatiable, awful taste for murder and blood. But he, he has to play this Wall Street guy and he has to be this wealthy well-to-do guy that has to kind of almost play off one thing but he's actually hiding this thirst for murder underneath and there are little beautiful moments where that acting style come through I love the scene where there's two scenes that come to mind the first is when remember when he raises the toast and he needs to get all the people out and he starts to call them leeches and say you here are just yeah, a leech that was a great scene that was so well done I love how he just kind of turns the I cheek love that. he goes from being this playboy swimming in a in the in the fountain with models to a guy that's like you're all leeching off of me. Fuck get, you, get out get of here. Get the fuck out. That was brilliant. And when he tells Rachel, he gets this look in his eyes when he's telling Rachel, all of this is just smoke. I don't remember what he says word for word, but he's basically telling her all of this Bruce Wayne bullshit, it's yeah. all a mirage. And he has this look in his eyes that just makes me think like, God, he believes it. Like mm-hmm. he truly is, he thinks he's putting on a show to to cover for his Batman personality. But I do, I, I do go Batman Begins, but I do give Cadence and agree with what you're saying. The Credence, trauma, not Cadence. Credence. I give, cre- <laughs> I give Credence Clearwater Revival to Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, no, I totally I thought get, you were saying, I'd never 
never heard give cadence. So it's like, oh, you're giving some, I, some I give rhythm to what you're saying. I, I give I was, rhythm. I was, I was into it. There's a cadence. To I wasn't going to correct you, but no, until. I'm glad you did because I use I sometimes I pretend. You've said cadence in other podcasts. Yeah, well, I, I I like to put out big words, and I know what most of them mean. Sometimes I'll put out. A, <laughs> I'll put out a test. I know what most of I like it. You like to pontificate extemporaneously. Yeah, yeah. There's an extemporaneous kind of pontification happening to the, de- <laughs> to the demarcation of this podcast. <laughs> um, I pride myself on my vocabulary, but that means I also test words. Like, I don't know what it means. Let's see if anybody yeah. else knows what it means. Um, but <laughs> the, the brokenness of, of Pattinson is real. And, and yeah, he does that really he well. He did it very well. And Pattinson was, there was a lot of criticism coming towards this casting choice. And, and even the stuff that was coming up from the media, the, you know, the budding heads of the director, he's not, he's not performing well. Are they going to replace him? There was all kinds of rumors swirling, but at the end of the day, he really delivered a meaningful performance that really played into who Bruce Wayne is, is a broken child. Um, but I do love what Bale does, even though it's very more, much more action oriented and his build and his body and, and his physicality really is the dominant trait. Some of those American psycho things that Bale does really show here, and I see why they cast him as, as uh, Bruce Wayne. One last thing on the Pattinson Batman, I love the brutality. That first beat, Ooh. that first beat down, the guys with the white makeup when he comes out of the shadows at the very yeah. beginning, you hear the bones, and I was laughing the whole time. It's like, yeah, superheroes don't kill people, but I, like you're breaking their nose where they can't breathe for the rest of their life. I'm like, what's better? <laughs> he didn't kill them. Well, he- and at the end there, when he gets the last of the snipers or whatever on that scaffolding, and he just unleashes and just starts hammering this dude's face. Yeah. Like the yeah. the look in his eyes, it was, and that, they, to me, it was a really complete performance. And they used that as the segue. Like that was when he realizes, he he realizes in that moment that my, my influence, even though I've saved lives, I've also introduced popularized violence. Like I'm yeah. acting in violence. Even though I don't kill people, I'm getting really close. Cause that whole, that whole Reeve says that scene was meant to show like, yeah, he's not killing people, but he's, he's, he would, if he could, like he's, yeah. his desire is to end life in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, even he is not, uh, you know, invincible against his emotions. So really close here. Um, God, this could have gone either way. I actually ended this podcast liking the Batman more after hearing you guys' observations. Yeah, Crazy. What a great matchup. What a great piece of IP. I just love Batman. It really is, man. You just, like the breadth of it is, yeah. is very the wide. The universe, the source material, all of it. It's just, it just works. And this was really close. And like, I, this is one of the reasons I love this podcast is like, I actually came out the end loving the Batman because especially Phil, a lot of the observations you made, uh, you shine some light on some things that I really missed out on. I love it. It's four to three. It's really close. I got a couple great Batmans here. And I can't wait, honestly, to see the next two entries. This is going to become a trilogy, the Batman with Pattinson and, and Reeves. And I can't wait to see what they come up with next. So, um, um, but anyway, we're going to retreat back to the Batman cave here, the Bat Cave. Phil's going to get in his Batmobile. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is really cheesy. I'm Kyle. I'm Fear. And I'm not wearing hockey pants. Yeah. That was the worst outro I've ever done. We got to smoke cigars oh outside gosh. tonight. Stop criticizing yourself. Great Good night. night.